Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 176. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, Richard Ryerson here. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hey, keep those emails coming. I love hearing from you. Thanks for all the support, all the fans out there. If you got a question about leadership, if you're having a leadership challenge, let me hear about it. I love to answer your questions. I might even answer it on the air if it's a pertinent one I think the whole audience can can benefit from. But let me hear from you. I love uh, the support that you're giving to me. And if, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave a rating and review. It does so much for the support and the visibility. That's all I ask for you to listen to this great free content. And again, thank you for your support. Hey, I want to introduce my brand new partners to the show, 99designs. And when I was starting out on this entrepreneur path, I stressed about the graphic design element, the web design elements. You know, I want to encourage you to go check out 99designs because working with an individual graphic designer can be good, but it has its limitations. You know, timing is one thing. If you want dozens of designs to choose from in just seven days, well, I encourage you to visit 99designs.com slash leadership and get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free. Go check them out. Well, what a thrill for me to have Kelly Studer on the phone. She works with seasoned professionals on developing authentic and consistent career style or personal branding. Her philosophy is, you know, we style our clothes, our products, and our services, so why not style our careers? Makes sense to me. When you're intentional about how you style your career, not only do you become a leader, no matter what your title is, but you also attract opportunities that help you grow into your best work. Kelly, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Thank you so much, Richard. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk to you about it because this whole idea, I, I, I've never talked to anybody who kind of styles careers. And and it does make sense, you know, reading what uh, the, the intro bio there. I mean, yeah, we do it. Well, you know, and it coming from the Marine Corps, we were big into this. We were big into uh, our perception of how we're being, or, you know, how we're being perceived because perception, unfortunately, is reality. Right. And so this is why this is so critical, especially mm-hmm. as leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're getting to and what I absolutely believe is that it's really on us to help people see us the way we want to be seen and experienced so we can really be our best selves and attract the types of opportunities that we want to do our best work and um, be able able to tap into our most authentic self, which comes most naturally, right? And so it's, it's the easiest for us. And it's not about being what we think we're supposed to be or uh, developing skills or talents in areas that we think we're supposed to have them. It's really tapping into the ones that are already naturally there and really exploiting them and putting them out there so the world can benefit. You know, we were talking before the interview started. You know, we were asking how many interviews today. Today was an unusual day. This is my sixth interview. And and I got to tell you, it's been weird. I don't know if it's the universe trying to tell me this is what we have to talk about, but this t- term authenticity and, and finally tapping into what our actual purpose is supposed to be has been the concept of almost all six of these interviews. Talk to me about that, about purpose and, and, and try to aligning, I guess, our authentic self to what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, authenticity is a tricky thing because it seems like a really hard thing to do 
and yet it should come so naturally, or it, it actually does, but we so easily shut it down, yeah, um, especially it. as we become adults. You know, we're we're constantly um, sort of told or reminded of how we're supposed to be or how we need to show up. But our authentic self, our most, like who we just truly are underneath it all, is our most compelling and powerful self. And that's where I think we want to lead from and where we can really make the biggest difference. And so what I've looked at and has have found this really helps to kind of unearth it and to really bring into your career in particular would be five elements. And I, I picture almost like four circles interconnected and then one circle right in the middle. And the one in the middle is purpose. And it's probably the most difficult one to you know, nail down and, and figure out. And I think it even takes a lifetime and it can evolve over a lifetime. But to me, it's it's really your reason for being on this planet and what you um, want to bring to the world that makes you feel of service to something bigger than yourself. Um, you could call it like a declaration to life or the difference you want to make in the world because of who you are and the gifts you have to offer. Um, but it's almost like your compass, the thing that has you really making decisions that uh, best suit you feeling good um, every day and and purposeful, obviously. But also, it's the thing that helps others see what you're all about and what you bring. And I think that's a big part of leadership. And then those four other circles, um, you know, they're made up of a combination of things. Talents is a big one. I think that most people don't know what their talents are because they're the things that you're born with that come naturally and easily and effortlessly to you. And because they're so easy for you, you tend to not see them as special. You, we tend to think, oh, if I can do it, it must be easy for everyone else. It's, it's not a talent. And we tend to just notice more like physical talents. You know, if you're a fast runner or you have perfect pitch or whatever that might be, but there's a lot of talents that we tend to be unaware of in the realm of like how we build relationships or how we process things and see things, how we um, communicate, how we make things happen. And uh, when we are really able to tap into these and use them as often as possible, we don't have to put in that much effort and we can create a lot more impact. And so it's really, really important, I think, to be super clear about what your unique talents are, even the combination in which you use them together. And to go out, you got to market them. You got to make sure people know how to use them and tap into them. And and uh, I almost think of it as like you want it to be like the shoe you wear, the shoes you wear three to four times a week, <laughs> right. uh, not the one you wear once a year right. for a special occasion. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be... Um, a big circle that I see a lot of people um, tripping up on. Like you ask them, what are your talents? And they're like, oh, well, um, you know, I'm a good communicator. <laughs> and that's about as far as they go with it. They don't really know how to express, like, what is it about your communication style that's really amazing that can have a positive impact when you're tapping into it? And then another circle is skills, experience, and knowledge, which is the easiest to inventory and be aware of. These are the things that you've acquired through study, practice, and focus over time and over your life. And I think of these as like the ingredients that go into a recipe that shape what the dish tastes like. Um, but 
you also need other elements to make a really great dish, right? It's not just the ingredients. Oh, yeah. It's all these other pieces. And I've seen in the corporate world, there's such an emphasis, almost an unhealthy focus on skills, experience, oh, and knowledge. Yeah. And very little focus on, well, what are your talents and how can we make sure we're using those? Um, and so I think that people don't tend to know what their talents are, especially if they're working in the corporate world, because no one's looking at them. No one's paying attention to them. And so you have to be the one who can pay attention to them and make them known. And then the third circle are values, your core values, um, the things that you really need to stand for to feel content, alive, happy, fulfilled, those types of things. This comes more from your heart, the things that really matter to you that you need to honor. And when we aren't able to easily honor our values or they're getting ignored or even trampled, um, potentially because of the environment we're in or the types of people we have in our life who may not share the same values, is that it leads to feelings of frustration, irritation, you know, anger, sadness, or just indifference. Like you stop caring, you know, like whatever, you know, becomes mm-hmm. your favorite phrase. Right. And um, this is a really important thing, uh, you know, even from my own experience when I did t- uh, have a foray into the film business and pursued my dream job of becoming a film producer. I actually was using my talents and I was passionate about what I was doing and there was a purpose to it. Um, You know, I really wanted to make films that would, you know, impact people's lives and really, you know, um, inspire or motivate them. And yet when I was working in the business and in particular in a number of different experiences, I was kind of in a bad mood all the time and I was short tempered and I was very irritable and, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I didn't even really like myself. Like, why am I acting this way? Why am I showing up this way? You know, I have this amazing job and I'm totally on track to realize my dream and I'm not having fun. Like, this isn't actually enjoyable. It's because my values were not being honored. They were so, Uh. they were so difficult um, in the environments that I was in that it was like sandpaper, like rubbing on my skin. It doesn't hurt at first, but then over time, it gets so tender and it gets really painful. Um, so values, I think, are really important to inventory. And then obviously the fourth piece is sort of your nonverbal communication, the way that you present yourself, you know, physically and how people take you in and experience you before you've even said a word. And when you look at all of these things and can really get clear about um, that whole picture and start really putting it out into the world and communicating it and starting to live it and make choices around it, you know, you really are a leader. You are um, going to attract more of what will allow you to perform at your highest level. You will be doing things that really feel fulfilling and you'll be inspiring and motivating other people at the same time. It doesn't even matter what your title is or how far up you are in an organization, or even if you run your own company, how many clients you have or how many products you've sold. It will, it will continue to grow and expand if you, if you really stay focused on these things. Well, wow, a lot there, and I think there's so much there. And I think um, let me go back to a couple of things you said. First of all, the um, circle where we focus on the talents, kind of the inventory of what what we have. I think 
and I agree with you. I think we have we spend an inordinate amount of time thinking that is the pathway to success. I mean, talent's a given, right? I mean, we need to be talented at something. And I had to be and have to be a decent pilot to to hold a certain position wherever I'm flying at, right? I mean, that's a given. And and but I, it seems like we stop there and we don't dig any deeper. And what you're talking about, especially like getting to the values and in those other circles, man, that takes a a level of intentionality I don't think a lot of people think about, right? I mean, this is really what it's about to become. It's a, the word that just keeps coming to my head is intentionality. Is, is does that uh-huh. does that resonate with what you're what we're talking about here? Because it's almost like it's interesting you brought up that story too. Because I was going to ask you about that um, the path where you went to the Hollywood producer. You, you got your dream, your passion, your heart. It's all aligned, but it didn't work out, and it didn't work out because it didn't align with your values. What do we do? That's a scary place to be, to be quite honest. Okay, so here you are, <laughs> midlife. You've put all this time, energy, effort invested into this dream, this passion, and we're always talking about that. Do what you love, right? But mm-hmm. it's not working out. What do you do then? I mean, what did you do? <laughs> yeah, well, I ended up going, I'm moving back from LA back up to the San Francisco Bay Area. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I was a little scared and nervous. I didn't really know what I was going to do here. I had gone after my dream job and it didn't turn out to be the dream I thought it was. And I needed to get a new dream job and I didn't know what that was. And I ended up basically kind of stumbling back into my first career, which was recruiting. I had run into a couple of people when I moved back that I worked at a previous company with. And, and one of them was at Google and said, Hey, we're we're growing like gangbusters. You should get your resume over. We really need you. And I hadn't even done recruiting. I hadn't even been in that space for four years. Wasn't sure if I wanted to go back to it. Uh, but, you know, I, I needed a job, essentially. Right. And so I went and interviewed at Google. And the most hilarious thing is that when you work in the film business, like nothing else exists in the world or that's how it feels. Like no one talks about anything else, but like the film business, the entertainment right. business. And I remember not really thinking that Google was a big deal at all. Um, just like, yeah, it's a search engine I've used a few times. <laughs> sure, I guess I'll interview. Why not? And as I was going through the interview process, you know, it was so clear to me that a lot of the the talents that I actually had used both as a film producer, I, you know, I did produce my own short film. I got to experience being a film producer. And what I also brought into being a recruiter and, and collaborating with people is that I'm like an amazing talent scout. I know how to put the right people together with the right situations and watch them flourish. And whether it was, uh, basically casting everybody that was going to work on my film and, uh, to figuring out whether someone would be a great fit for a company, it was using a lot of the same talents and actually kind of a similar passion of um, bringing people together and watching them, you know, really tap into their potential and blossom. And so when I interviewed at Google, I also felt like this is my tribe. These are my people. Right. Um, we, we want a lot of the same things. We care about a lot of the same things. The culture of the company, it felt like home. And so when I when I ended up taking the job at Google, it, it quickly grew into a management role uh, where I ended up leading a team of, of 13 people across three different offices. And 
to me, it, that job was so much less about recruiting and it was about developing talent and creating these collaborative teams that did brilliant things. And mm-hmm. I had a blast. And I really felt that I was performing at my highest level. And I also didn't have the value mismatch. Right. So it was so fun to go to work every day. Well, see, I love, I, yeah, I love that. I love, I, I do believe, and, and I think that even though it may at the time it seemed like, man, I wasted all this time, all this energy, I've had to do a shift. I don't think any of that's wasted opportunity. I, I do think it's the universe trying to align, um, you know, because it's a constant journey. I think sometimes we fall into this trap or this mindset that I've got to get to this X, Y, Z position so that I can say that I've arrived. And I think that if you if you have that mindset, then the next thing coming your way is a fall and a disappointment. And instead, if you look at life as a journey, mm-hmm. and, and every every experience kind of builds upon the next, and it may not, and you know, and, and it's almost everybody I've talked to that's when they've said their story, they said, "Man, I never thought I was going to be doing this." Almost everybody, you know, yeah, exactly. and that's the beautiful thing about it, though. I think you know you need to be open to that and say that that's kind of a normal, natural thing, right? Yeah, you know, and I, I love what you said about a journey because I feel exactly the same way. And you know, when I talk to my clients, when they say, "Well, you know," Uh, well, you know, what path will that take me on where, you know, I want to figure out what, where that's going to lead me. And I said, well, what if you didn't need to know where it goes? Um, you just need to know what you want and what's that going to fulfill? Like, what's it going to actually feel like? What do you want it to feel like? Don't worry so much about what it needs to look like. Cause it could show up in so many different ways. And, you know, it enables you to really expand, uh, your ability of, uh, or just even to expand possibility and to go past what's expected of you or what's realistic or what even makes sense. I mean, my, the twists and turns I've had in my career, someone could say, wow, that's so all over the place. And yet I see the golden thread that weaves uh, in between all of them. And I've had such rich experiences that end up um, playing out beautifully in lots of different areas. I think taking some chances and going a little bit like taking a detour off the highway once in a while and seeing what's back there really creates an opportunity for you to be a more interesting, engaging, curious person. And again, I think that lead goes back to leadership. I think you're right. And I think that, you know, it, it it's, I think it's an essential element of leadership. I think so often we think it has to fit in a, um, a perfect executed plan. And I don't, yeah. I don't plan for perfection. I plan to help me deal with the inevitable unforeseen, if that makes sense. So whenever, when I put a plan yeah. in place, I don't, I don't measure the benchmarks. Did I cross this goal line at this exact date? Though dates are important, the planning is important, but I don't, I, it's a living document, I guess. It's a living, breathing document. And I think if you do like you're talking about, you know, making sure the circles are all, you know, you do, you do the work to answer all those questions inside those circles. You're going to be so far ahead to not just, um, again, getting the position of title. It's about fulfilling your purpose. Uh-huh. I think there's a distinct difference there that I, I don't know. Yeah. For me, I wish I wish I would have been doing that when I was in my 20s because <laughs> – 
when you and I don't know if that's just the natural. It seems like everybody that hits kind of the midlife point, they're like, man, I've done everything I'm supposed to be doing, but man, there is something missing here. And you're always so envious of the ones like I always knew I was going to be blah. And you're like, what? Really? I never know what I'm, you know, it's like I've always kind of struggled with what am, what am I supposed to do? And I see a lot of people struggling with that. And I'm sure your clients are this. I don't know. There's so much I want to do. And um, yeah, like I don't see it as a problem to not know or be super clear. Yeah, I see it you. as a beautiful opportunity and sort of a gift. I love that. And yeah. that you have your whole life to figure it out and experiment. Like I think of life as a laboratory that you can just experiment and play in and, you know, even create some messes once in a while and, and have some failures. Like it leads you to figure out something else. And, you know, I had this one client, like this is such a spectacular example of um, kind of releasing, like releasing himself from what he is expected of him or what he thinks he should do or, you know, to withhold responsibilities uh, within his family and what they're expecting of him. He had come to me, he'd actually been incredibly successful. He was working with different startups to um, help them get funding. He's, br he's brilliant at getting VC funding and then also operationally really turning them around and helping them be incredibly efficient and productive and, and focus on the right things. And he had done this for a number of different startups and uh, done that very successfully, but somehow he wasn't really getting the financial benefit and he was feeling really burnt out and he didn't know if he could keep, you know, doing this over and over again. And so when he came to me, he was rather depressed. Like, do I need to go and get a corporate job or I don't know, like, what do I do? Like he just, mm. he was so, you know, kind of out of ideas and just knew he didn't want to be doing what he was currently doing anymore. And as we started working together and unearthing all of these different areas, you know, it became really clear that there was this thread in his life of really loving writing and being really good at it. And so just to get him out of his, you know, depression and uh, kind of apathy and, you know, lack of inspiration, I said, um, I want you to write something. And he had just mentioned that he had a very, uh, a lot of opinions and his own story connected to gun control. And it was such a hot topic um, going on in the New York Times. There was all sorts of articles about it. And he was really been doing a lot of thinking about it. I said, okay, great. I want you to write an editorial article uh, about your opinion, you know, your side of it about gun control, your opinion on guns in America. And He's like, why? Why why would I do that? Like, I'm not going to become a writer, Kelly. I'm not going to be, you know, suddenly become an author or something. I'm like, oh, that's all right. You know, just it's something you enjoy. It's something that you're good at. Um, we've already identified that. And write about something you're passionate about, something where there's you have a value around these things. And he's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And I had to push him. Like, he was putting it off for two months. And then we had a session and I said, all right, where's your article? And he's like, ah, I know, I know. All right. I promise that I will write it by the next one. So I said, great. And then he did send it to me and it was way longer than an editorial. It was like six pages long. And, um, he said, you know, this really, this was fun. This really ignited something in me. It's because, you know, it, it turned into more than an editorial and I'm not done with it yet. I'll, I'm going to send you the rest of it soon. And I'm like, okay. So fast forward three weeks later, when we had our next, when we met again, said, how have you been? He goes, well, I wrote a novel. 
Oh my I gosh. said, what? <laughs> An entire novel? He's like, yes. I I was getting up at 5.30 every morning and I was writing till 8 o'clock at night for two weeks straight. And I've written a novel actually around gun control and this whole thing. And he goes, it's the best thing I have ever written. And I never told you this, but it's been on my bucket list my, you know, for a long time to write a novel. I've actually attempted to and tried to for 20 years and never succeeded and now I've written something I'm so proud of. I can't believe it. And and then, you know, it, the even crazier thing is that, you know, we, I went back and I said, well, let's just see, like, how does this map up with your talents and your values and, and, all the, and your purpose and all these things? And are all of these kind of being hit on? And are you using them? And it was like, yes, 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 yes. And I have never experienced him being that alive. Like, he was so electrified. And so different than the guy two months prior. And the the other amazing thing is like part of his talent is that, you know, when he wants to go after something, he will go and check out every nook and cranny and corner. That's why he was brilliant at getting VC funding for companies that couldn't seem to do it without him. Within about a month, he got a, an agent who represents uh, Booker Prize winners and Pulitzer Prize winners, and he now has a two-book deal, and his first novel is coming out in October, and it's already getting rave reviews. First-time novelist, 52 years old. That's awesome. Isn't it? And, you know, this is what's possible at any point in our life when we really look into these things and give ourselves permission to really do what we want to do, be ourselves, and go for it. And what leadership is that, you know, that he's putting out a novel that may really impact people's lives in an incredible way. Hey, halfway through the show, I want to take some time out, just a brief moment to talk about my partners at 99designs. You know, if you were like me in the beginning, I remember I was dreaming of a logo, a perfect website design, but I didn't know how to get started. I was worried about a budget. Well, that's where 99designs came in, and they can certainly help. 99designs is the world's largest graphic design marketplace, and it makes it easy for you to to get a design that you love. Just go to their website, tell them about the design you need, and pick a price package that works for you. And that's where the fun really starts up. And this is what I loved about the process. Designers from all around the world will submit awesome designs, and you give them your feedback. And within a week, you get to pick out your favorite and be the proud owner of a gorgeous unique new design with thousands of designers at your fingertips there's no limit to what you can get designed i've used 99 designs and i love working with them and what they did for me so what is it that you need you can boost your brand's visibility with a t-shirt drive more traffic with a sleek new banner ad or a landing page whatever it is you need projects start at just 199 dollars, and your happiness is always 100 percent guaranteed visit 99designs.com slash leadership and you can get a 99 dollars power pack of services absolutely free today go check them out you know what i love about that story and it goes back to again it's deeper than just when we say this it's almost kind of cliche and i was like do what your heart loves and the money will follow or something to that effect right and <laughs> and everybody hears and like yeah 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 look i've got bills i've got obligations i've made choices they may have been bad life choices but here i am I just got to find a nice, comfortable job with health insurance, right? I mean, I mean, you can see people <laughs> yeah. saying that. I mean, I've said that. And but, but what I love about that story in this example is, look, he was put on this earth for some other reason than just being a VC fund guy. But the VC fund guy, or finding that, or find is was, I don't know. It looking back in hindsight, it feeds into what he was supposed to do, right? I mean, yeah, because. 
if he'd written that novel, but no, but he didn't have um, the talent to go out and really have people read it and try every, you know, every agent out there or every publishing house, uh, which is something that's so easy for him. It's like it was a no brainer for him to be like, I'm going to go get this published now. And I'm like, I know you are. Uh, you know, it all kind of it. It was like conspiring to happen. It, it had yeah. to happen well, because I, he was tapping into everything that comes to him um, so naturally, and it was coming from his heart. It was like from his his soul and his heart. It wasn't an ego thing. Yeah, and what and the way I look at it, and the way I think about it, is like if he was meant to do this book about gun control or whatever it is. I mean, if he and this goes for anybody. If you're meant to, you know, write a novel. If you're meant to you know, join the Peace Corps, if you're meant to be a mother and raise four kids, if you're meant to do that and you don't do it, you're not, you're not only cheating yourself, you're actually cheating the the planet is the way I look at it. Right. Because you, you, you robbed us of, of providing that creative talent. I mean, that's, I've never looked, but that's kind of a unique way to look at it. Right. Because you shame, you shame the, whatever you believe the almighty the divine who created you to give you your unique gifts you you've you've kind of robbed them of your um purpose right the create the created being doing something creative is not a, a selfish act right that, that, i guess that's the way i look at it oh it's a gift no, it's, it's a gift to the world that everybody you know and if you cheat us of our contribution then shame on you that's how i look at it i guess yeah, I, I do think a little a big part of it comes back to oftentimes most of us we're, we're afraid to play big. We're yeah. afraid to um, really go after the things that are compelling us. And you know you're playing a bigger game when you feel really compelled to do something, um, make something happen, and you actually have no idea how to do it, mm-hmm. and you take one step towards it. Amen. That's actually all it takes to just be playing a bigger game because we are really creative and we're really resourceful and we will figure it out as we go. And it's just sort of like one step after another, but we have to take one step. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it is about taking action, not just thinking about it all the time. You know, you got to do something. Right. And I love how you said about thinking big because it does, it costs you just the same to think big than it is to think mediocre. It actually costs you exactly the same. The only difference is the action has a different, uh, different payoff. And yeah, you know, I was just reading. Um, you know, I like Strengths Finder 2.0 as yeah. a, an assessment for helping you at least start to tap into what some of your natural gifts and talents are. And they have this one um, thing that they wrote up in there that speaks to talents that is exactly this point. It said uh, it was kind of a fable type of story where this guy the heaven and you know he asked uh he asked saint peter you know who do you think is is the greatest general we've ever had and saint peter pointed at this guy sitting on a bench and the guy who'd gotten into heaven was like wait i know that guy he's not he's not a general he's not the world's greatest general we've ever had and he goes he had all the talent to be he just never did it oh yeah <laughs> would Absolutely. have been the greatest general in the world he had everything it, it he needed to be that. Um, but yeah, he was just a regular guy that you didn't think much of. And it just, it's like, it almost is a break your heart kind of story. And I think that's really true is that we, I don't want people to waste time not knowing what their talents are and actually like, like exploiting them to their fullest. And 
bring their gifts to the world, it can make a huge difference. And I think, you know, where it, where it ties into leadership is that it's taking the risk to yeah. do that. Yeah. It's not, not falling into a place of what's realistic. Actually, that's one of my, like, I hate the word realistic. It's a total trigger for me when someone says, well, is that realistic? I'm like, I hope not. Like, yeah. Um, realistic to me is a recipe for Medial. like staying in the box, yeah. um, you know, not being creative, not imagining possibility. And, you know, leaders, they, they just like go and experiment and try and, and take some steps. And even if they have a, a failure, they're like, great, I learned something. Okay. Now what do I do? What's the next step from here? And that is, you know, so much more inspiring than doing what's realistic, I think. Oh, I love that. That's a big takeaway for this sixth uh, interview today. I love that the real being realistic is a recipe for mediocrity. It really is. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love you're absolutely right. Looking at it that way. I think too often and you're right. I think the definition of leadership is is not about necessarily safety. And um, it's getting comfortable with the fear, the uncertainty, and the chaos, understanding that it's always going to be there. You can't get mm-hmm. rid of it. You can't get rid of it. So you might as well get, no. get used to exploiting it to your benefit. And I'm a right. Per- and, you know, something that just occurred to me, too, is it may sound kind of scary to take a step and to take risks and to, like, you know, go towards something where you have no idea how to do it. But I believe that you know, if you really have this clarity on your personal brand, on your career style, uh, it actually is, there's a lot of flow and ease to it. It's Mm -hmm. not as hard as people think. And when you are, when you have the confidence that comes from having this kind of clarity, you kind of just know what to do. I mean, at least that's the experience that I've had and that I've, that I've noticed with other people who, um, are really like owning their authentic selves Mm -hmm. is, everything looks sort of easy for them. And I actually think it is. And everybody can have this. Yeah, I agree with you. Everybody can be a leader. Yep. I love that you said that. And I agree with you. I think a a big turning point that I've seen in a lot of people in this, and I can speak personally too about this, is the moment you stop worrying about being wrong, um, it's liberating, if that makes sense. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Because I think a lot of times, naturally, that's what prevents people from taking the step. It's what if I'm wrong? And because being wrong can lead to a host of things, humiliation, financial ruin. I mean, those are the, these are the things that we're painting in our mind. But when you get confident, and this is to me, I think is the, is the, ascent, the, the cornerstone of confidence is this kind of mindset of like, I'm just not afraid of being wrong anymore. I'm just not. And that's liberating and lets you take that first step that you're talking about. Yeah, I think there's a tendency to be very binary about things like, uh, and it can swing, the pendulum can swing too far to the other side of like, it has to be right, Yeah. Um, let alone it can't be wrong. And I, I tend to like to think about it more of like, ah, you know, is my impact that I'm having intended or unintended? It's not really a right or wrong or a good or bad kind of thing. It's more of, you know, I, I intend to have this kind of impact and then, and then pay attention to it, like notice what happens and take responsibility for it. And sometimes you don't have the intended impact, like something you offend somebody or it it doesn't go the way that you thought it would. And 
I really think as a leader, it's just our job to notice it and Mm -hmm. then uh, take responsibility for it and then clean it up and then move on. Like, it's not really about right or wrong or good or bad. Well, that's there's Yeah, go ahead. It kind of releases you from the judgment, too. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say, what's very powerful about that mindset of what it's a very subtle difference between, you know, being right or wrong is understanding what your intent is, because understanding that gives you. Um, more flexibility when it doesn't turn out the unintended consequences crop up or the inevitable unforeseen, you know, rears its ugly head, you're in a much better position to uh, adjust and flex to what you're supposed to do. I mean, and that's what successful leaders do. That's what successful entrepreneurs do. They're like, well, that didn't turn out like I thought, but here's where we're at. This is what we learned. Here's the decisions we're going to make to see if we can get there. I mean, it's it really is as simple as that. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's easy, but it is simple to understand anyway. Yeah, I think like we're talking about the paradigm shift in, in leadership, not, you know, not necessarily being about um, being the front of the room or being the, the right. single person that's leading people that everyone wants to follow. Um, and I, you know, I think what keeps occurring to me is that leaders are sort of more comfortable with, with messes and they know that there is something to, to kind of grow from and work with even in the messes that they create. And, you know, like we're shifting paradigm on leadership, I think there needs to be a shift on the term failure Yeah, and there's such a fear, right? Of failure. And that if, if you fail that, then you're not successful or you're not a leader. And, we see over and over again that some of the people that we admire the most as quote unquote leaders have failed a lot. Oh yeah. And it's just about the recovery. You're like recovering back and try again and the experimentation factor. So, you know, that's something I, I work with a lot of my clients on. I'm like, so what, what's the worst that could happen if, you know, you leave this job and, and you take another one and it doesn't pan out. What will happen? Will you die? And they're like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what else? Like, will no one else hire you ever again? Well, probably not. You know, it's like you start to think about it and, you know, and then they can think of a million examples of people who uh, have taken lots of twists and turns and they've been just fine and actually kind of flourished. I mean, it's amazing how we're, we avoid failure like crazy, and yet it's one of the best tools for success and being a leader. Oh, great point. You're absolutely right. I mean, the failure is actually what, what, what um, unleashes the, the creativity and the answer and, and the ultimate success, more so than if you, like you said, executed the, that flawless plan, which is never going to happen, by the way. But that's, the, <laughs> that's why we get so hung up, and when it doesn't go the way it's supposed to, it can defeat you. And, so, and that really is the difference between someone that that makes it and someone that doesn't is the tenacity and the willingness to kind of pick up the pieces after the setback. Yeah, and and letting go of perfectionism. Letting go of perfectionism. Perfectionism is a disease, right? It's yep. like it sounds like a really good idea, but it really gets in our way of um, you know just being authentic and and even allowing screw ups, like allowing to not always get it right. I. One thing that really stuck with me when I took an improv class, and for anybody that's ever taken improv, you know, you've experienced this where, you know, you try something, you're, it's like really nerve wracking, you're thrown in, you have no way to plan or prepare, you're just going for it, like in some situation, and... Uh, 
nail it at not even close or you don't even understand the instructions and you're, you're going off in the wrong direction. And we're encouraged to just throw our hands up in the air and go, yay, I made a mistake. And like everybody claps <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you like celebrate it and then you, you just move on. And it's not as if that person has failed at improv or they'll never be good at improv or they suck at it. It's like, they just didn't get, they didn't, they didn't knock it out of the park on that one. Like whatever, who cares? <laughs> yeah. The important, Try again. the important thing is you work through that, that ultimate roadblock and fear, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Kind of, and embracing it. Embracing it. Well, it's kind of like, you know, when you have kids and when you're teaching the, at some point when you, you celebrate when the kid takes half a step and then falls, you know, down and you celebrate with joy that they fell. You know, or that really you're celebrating them taking that half step. But at some point as we get older, we we forget that joy. What if we could have that same type of joy and excitement with everything that we did, right? I mean, they didn't walk across the room. They only took half a step and they stumbled. But we, we celebrate it like it's no tomorrow. And we should probably do the same thing with every venture that we take, even that first step into the unknown that we take. And if it's if it's a misstep, we should celebrate it. Yeah, I I love that visual picture and it's such a, it is really such a joyful thing to see a kid uh, taking their first steps and and learning how to walk. And what it also reminds me of is, you know, the the transition that happens, you know, into adulthood where we can be our own worst enemy, right? We beat ourselves up. And I even think about that exact example of like, if you were, if you saw a kid learning to walk and of course, like in the first few months, they're like, they're stumbling and tripping and falling all over the place or bobbling. I mean, they don't, they don't have it nailed down. It's not looking good. Right. Right. It's uh, and we're so encouraging. We're like, Oh, it's great. But what we end up doing to ourselves as adults is the exact opposite. Like our own internal voice would be like, Oh my God, you just tripped and fell. Like, get up. What's your right, problem? Like, exactly. would you ever treat an adorable two-year-old like that? But that's what we do to ourselves yep. all the time. Exactly. And to be able to treat ourselves more like we would that adorable two-year-old learning to walk um, is something to practice. And it really makes a difference. Well, Kelly, you uh, are definitely uh, of the same mindset. Uh, you fit right in the Dose of Leadership community. I hereby adopt you and knight you into the dose of leadership tribe so congratulations on that so thank you for all wow. your <laughs> i love this conversation so i love this conversation how can people yeah it's been how can people get in touch with you sorry i got a little connection problem here Phil. i apologize but how can people get in touch with you uh yeah the easiest way to get in touch with me would just be go to my website which is kellystuder.com, S-T-U-D-E-R. And you can find out more about what I do and how to work with me. Uh, you know, primarily I do work with clients one-on-one, but I also, you know, lead webinars and workshops and write articles and, and do some public speaking. Um, so you can find me on my website. Awesome. I'll have links to all of this on the post. People can easily click and find you. And uh, gosh, what a, a treat and honor to have you on the show. I'd love to stay in touch with you and uh, possibly collaborate and uh, have you back on the show at some point. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. It's really important what, what you're doing and, and hosting these discussions and 
spreading the word of leadership. So I'm really proud to be a part of it. And I look forward to future, future partnerships with you. That would be amazing. Sounds good. Thanks. We'll talk to you. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.